go ahead and ask that question again, and we'll get started from that. So, if the ultimate goal is to be in the human realm all the time, aka the present moment, um, right now, then that's quite an ordinary thing. So why is it that when you progress along the path, you get to once returner, non-returner, it's said that you are really blissful or really happy emotions all the time, all that kind of stuff. What's that all about? If the goal is to just come back to the ordinary moment, because, well, that's that's just here, right? Um. We can approach this in several different directions. One of them can be seen from uh, what they call via negative or nitty nitty or the uh, an example of that is, is that your balloon is ready to fly, but the balloon is tethered. All we need to do is to cut the rope for the tether and the balloon will naturally fly. It's already set up to do that. Okay, so the uh, the analogy is, is that <laughs> I can start it this way, is you ain't seen nothing yet. And um, all of the feelings that one can develop for oneself are the kinds of feelings that are capable for anyone who, if they develop these feelings, they can develop them. This is not something special in the DNA of those who develop the ability to feel the way that they want to. This is something that's capable for anyone. And not only that, but that's the primary goal for a lot of people. An example could be the, um, uh, the mother at the wedding whether it's the mother of the bride or the mother of the husband, it doesn't matter. The mother is really, really happy. Mm. Okay, she can reach that state of joy. Another time that would happen is in Thailand when her son ordains as a monk. That's Mm -hmm. another time or an opportunity when uh, women will give themselves great states of joy. Men will do it by gaining a gold medal at the Olympics. So that they could get that great state of joy. So now you know, in fact, that humans are capable of feeling that way. These are human feelings. It's just that they're infrequent. And because of lack of skill, most people don't have them often. Mm -hmm. But here we are directly developing the very skills we need to begin to feel the way we want to feel instead of in the feeling patterns that we have been feeling. And that the Buddha used the words that uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa uses and I use, and even uh, a few more words dancing around, but it always has coming back to the fact that if you had a choice between feeling good and feeling bad, which one would you choose? Good. Why? Because it's good. Okay, let's rephrase that. If we had a choice between feeling pain and feeling pleasure, which one would you choose? Pleasure. Then why don't you? Never mind. Let's go into another one. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather choose dissatisfaction or satisfaction? Satisfaction. Then why don't you? I don't know. Do you think it's worthwhile? Yeah. Okay, then is it worthwhile then practicing getting the mind into that state? Yeah. Is it worth the effort? Yeah, of course. Because a lot of people say, oh, I don't suffer enough to do anything. I'll just be here unhappy and let you do all the work. Okay, mm-hmm. there are that's there is that mentality. They just don't see any any reason for the effort. 
or maybe they have a, a an ace in the hole. Like, but they can give some money here and there so that they'll wind up having a better future in the next life, which actually means that maybe by then they'll be in the mood for practicing I'll what they're better. avoiding practicing right now. <laughs> mm. And it really has to do with the change of attitude. Sometimes we have to be in a good state to uh, be convinced that it's worthwhile um, operating in a good state and to get ourselves into a good state more often and in deeper good states. But some people operate from the other side, and that is, is that they really have to get wallowy down in their dukkha before they finally at their last gasp will say, I've got to get myself out of this crap. Almost like the sudden enlightenment. Mm -hmm. This is in fact can be known as the quick hard method. It's hard because the person spent all of their time getting themselves deeper and deeper into suffering. And then they have uh, uh, an epitome, a wake up, a uh, full on realization. Sometimes these wind up as testimonials in uh, organizations like uh, AA or um, Red Cross or uh, no, more likely uh, Salvation Army. But in any case, there is these remarkable transformations that do happen occasionally. The question is, why does someone have to be asleep and stay asleep and stay asleep and stay asleep and stay asleep and finally wake up, maybe after they've gone all the way over the edge, when they could have woken up any place along the line? Mm. So then, with regard to all those other, like the, the woeful states and the heavenly states and all that, it's not that the human state can't access good feelings. It's just that when you're in those woeful or heavenly states, it's that you're too consumed by them to be a human. When you're in it, yes. Okay. And when you wake up to see that, no, that woeful state is not me. Mm. So when you say, when you're talking about that woeful state, well, what about the woeful state? It's either laying there, I see it, or I'm in it. Right? That's what makes the woeful state really woeful is when you're in the woeful state. Yeah. Okay, the concept of the idea of hell is not nearly as, as bad as actually being in hell. Mm -hmm. Especially the being in hell is being in a state where you are desperate to get out of the situation and you don't have a clue about how to do it. Meanwhile, everybody around you, it, it seems, is as just as desperate to get out of this situation as you are. Okay, that's hell. And, and often when people are angry, they're in that state. Mm -hmm. They're fighting. They've got, they're desperate. They've got to get out of the situation that they're in. They're, they've been pushed too far in their own mind. Mm. But even the bully has that concept. <laughs> and then, so it doesn't matter where in the mind it is. We're talking about they come to the point. So uh, the idea then is, is uh, how soon can we catch the suffering so that we don't go all the way into anger. We can just get to the point of that feeling of not liking, but the not liking hasn't, does not have to grow into Upadana and our, our Tanha and Upadana. Okay. Which is basically, I, I don't like it is the first thought or uh, half thought or just feeling or just a sensation. That then leads to a half thought of, I've got to do something about it. That's the aversion, or in that sense, that's the same as grasping or clinging or coming after the guy who's invaded your house or whatever. Reactive. And then there is the full-on brawl. There is when, the gra when the, it becomes actually clinging or real attachment. That have and, and that's when we uh, get angry and we speak up uh, whatever like that. 
or is when we grasp and want to cling to something that we don't own, but that we want. So when we want something, then we grasp at it and cling to it. So we cling to it while we're grasping. We're uh, thinking that I'll feel better when I get it. I do get it, but I only feel good for a short time. Meanwhile, now I have to feel like I've got to protect it. And so I feel bad while I've got it. Yeah. And then if it dies on me, then I'm going to feel bad because I've lost it. I noticed no that. Wisdom is in, no wisdom in there anywhere. But yeah. an, an occasion uh, on each point for um, someone to wake up. So it's just about because, like you said, you know, everything that you acquire is another thing that's only going to give you temporary happiness. And it's just another thing that you have to look after and keep safe, because if you don't, then you're going to be, well, you're not going to be happy. So it's when you, it's just, when you lose it. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So it's about staying on guard for thoughts like those, just staying on guard all the time. For Not when, all the time, but just when we remember to stay on guard. Yep, yep That's just the skill when we remember. That's we're developing. We're not developing an all-the-time skill. Okay. Yeah. never talks about it like that. He always talks about it in the sense of even if it's its best, it's unremitting. Keeps coming back and coming back, which means it goes away. And that going away time, the question is, in <clears> what <throat> state are we then? Because it's possible uh, for sati to be gone, but we're still in a kind of a void mind because we're void of self. Yeah. A man can be playing with his children and enjoying that, and he's not thinking of selfishly, but as soon as he leans back, and starts thinking about the bank and mm. my money. Now he's put himself back into one of these woeful states. Yep. In this case, the hungry ghost. I want more. I want more. I don't feel good. Just a moment ago, he was playing with his kids. He, he was fine. It comes. It, it's quite sneaky when that happens. That that happens to me quite often. Um, and I and I'm thinking, wait a minute! One minute I was on guard. Or we are not paying attention is the better way of saying it, because that's really what's going on. Yeah. But now you can say, now that I know it's sneaky, I'm going to start to be on guard at the level of catching even the sneaky. Yeah, that's what I'm. I've been trying to do. You've been trying, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been doing it. Okay. All right. <laughs> So catching those sneaky things, because you see that that story that I told you about the guy that's completely lost in it mm. at every step down the path into uh, a woeful hell like terrible state. Perhaps now he's homeless. He's got no insurance. He's got no friends. I mean, he's destitute. Mm. How did he get himself that way? Because one step at a time, it snuck up on him. Yep. One step at a time, it snuck up on him deeper and deeper and deeper until he got himself into a, 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 a really deep state. Mm. Okay. Uh, and so uh, it, the question is, how, how quickly can we wake up? Yeah. That's the real question. Where is that sati? Where is that skill of sati? Mm. And once we have, and that's the one teaching that I see kind of missing in all of the other teachings. An example of that would be like people read books on uh, self-help or um, affirmations, and they read the book, and while they're reading the book, they feel very good. But at the end of the book, you know what happens? They put the book on the shelf and they forget all about yeah. it. Yep. If they'd be, if they devote themselves to reading that same book every week they would get really the benefit out of it because they would remember. They would say, Sati would wake up. And that, in fact, this is what these classes on, or maybe it's class, maybe it's just a dialogue between a couple of friends. But continuing to talk about the Dhamma, 
and continue to talk about it in this way, it begins to really sink in yeah. in a way that, that uh, uh, is deeper than just the intellectual level. It, begin, it becomes part of us so that that Dhamma is, uh, in fact, the Dhamma itself is replacing aspects of the old personality. Mm. If we're throwing things out and new things are coming in and getting, because we repeat it over and over again, they begin to get really solid. Yep. And so, um, if we continue this practice then, not just of discussing the Dhamma often, but also going and practicing it often, to wake that sati, to get it going so that we can remember more and more often, then that means that we're going to be able to handle things that are uh, sneaky, very sneaky, ultra sneaky. <laughs> and wait a minute, what happened there? Yeah. And we can get it. We can, we can be sharp with that thing. Here's the best part, <clears throat> and that is the better at sati, the better at the investigation you get, the more likely you're going to see the same old thing over and over and over again, rather than seeing things. I mean, once you saw, saw those sneaky things come by and you get a load of them, you're on, every time they come back again, there they are and you see yep. them. Yep. So you're gaining that skill of being able and then we wind up finding, wait a minute, there's really not all of that many problems. There's just a few here and there. Yeah. Just a little bit needs to be cleaned up. Okay. Because really, there's only, if you look at it like this, there's only anger, fear, and sadness to really have to do once we get rid of that. Or uh, when I, there's another one that we would add in there, and that would be the greed that comes out of fear. That's something a lot of people don't understand, that, that when there is no fear, then there is no greed. Oh. In other words, if you feel really, really good, you don't need a weapon. If you feel like you're in great danger, you begin to think about going to the gun store. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Is that when we feel insecure, we want protection, and those protections have been sought with humans primarily in two ways. One is the herding mentality, getting in the nest, getting surrounded by others. Yeah. And the other one is to start collecting material possessions, mm -hmm. which may be in the form of a bank account, but it could also be a pistol. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we want things for protection. And so uh, a whole lot about being disarmed means that you feel safe. Mm. And you can see that throughout culture. I mean, gosh, it was only a hundred years ago or, or more where most people went around carrying either a, a dagger, a short knife, or a really long one. Mm -hmm. Whether yeah. it was concealed or right out there. Everybody carried a broadsword. In, in Japan, it was the samurai. Yeah, it was just normal. And those that were not allowed to carry a sword, they had weapons anyway. That there's various groups of martial artists who train on uh, turning farm tools and implements into uh, fighting weapons. Oh, right. That's where numtucks came from. What were they before? I don't remember. But I do know that they were uh, part of the farm equipment. Interesting. Uh, so. I have guessed. Pardon? I would never have guessed that. Well, they were uh, that kind of in instrument was easy to come up with uh, by uh, village people, but the 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 metal that went into a samurai sword was a lot of work and therefore very expensive. And so only the samurai had that quality of the sword. And having a less quality of sword made no sense. <laughs> if you don't have one as good as the guy who's got the other one, then there's no reason to get into it with him. Mm. You better put your money in a pair of shoes. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> so, uh, but it was still armed. 
at least in our present society in general, we walk around unarmed. That wasn't even true in the time of the Buddha. Mm. But I feel like people are still very afraid. Certainly they are. It's just... And some people have a reason to, and other people don't, but feel afraid anyway. Mm. But both kinds of these people can be manipulated or taught to be afraid of each other or to be afraid of the whatever other is. In Mm. other words, racism is a function of um, our territorial instinct in the sense of this is our nest and those over there we don't know them they might be dangerous Mm. okay and so the real question then is how large is your view how noble is your right view in the sense of can't you see that these two villages are the same people Mm. okay Yeah, there's a bigger tent. We can see further. We can recognize that things are no longer needed to be us against them. But those who are uh, intelligent can see that fairly easy. Or those who can wake up are generally pretty smart people. What we mean by dumb people, then, at this level is not their lack of um, mental architecture but rather that um, they stay in a state where um, their feeling systems run things. And to agree, that happens with everybody. But a few of us from time to time wake up, get some work done, and then go back to sleep. <laughs> but a lot of people, they stay asleep almost all the time they don't wake up very often they don't really see what's going on around them because they can they're actually in a way kind of safe because there's so many people around them that believe things are true just i mean the whole group is in a state of delusion as maybe even an entire state of people or maybe even across a general area that's bigger than even one or two states and so there's this mentality uh, uh, that we are in danger of losing mm-hmm. what we had, but we as a big group of people can fight back and make sure that we don't lose what we thought we were losing. Okay. And then what happened was a, a black man or even someone who was just somewhere between black and uh, whatever they were, didn't matter that he was half white. It mattered to them that he was half black. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, uh, this whole group of people think that they've lost something. What have they lost? Well, for a little while, they think they lost the presidency and the White House, but they really didn't lose anything at all. What, mm-hmm. what happened with all of the loss was because of the fear of loss. They thought because he was he was black, that things were fearful. Mm. Now we find up uh, uh, in the United States of the backlash that got Donald Trump in office was because this is the revenge that they took mm-hmm. for having uh, uh, to, to endure the hell of having a black man on a chair that they thought they owned. So they feel really lost. They they lose something and they're angry. And and that kind of mentality then is very easy to manipulate in the mass media or on social media. All kinds of things, just uh, that mentality. But those that are really looking and seeing what's going on, which actually is possibly the majority of the people in the United States, when they see that manipulation, they can recognize it for what it is. But all of these other people who can't see the manipulation then say, ah, everyone they can see my being manipulated is now my enemy. And my only friends are those who are still stuck in the same delusional system that I'm in. 
Mm. Okay. And it really doesn't matter how many people are in that group, but that would be a cult. Mm. And now it looks like that there is a Donald Trump cult of about 30% of the people in the United States, and they cannot see beyond their fear. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're being manipulated. But if each one of them could wake up to the reality, and that's going to be hard to do, but each one of them, one by one, can get woken up. The question is, how far are they going to go down this path? Before they wind up actually pulling the trigger of that AK-47 that he's carrying. Mm. But why is he carrying it? When, why doesn't he wake up to, look at what I'm doing. I'm walking out with a, with a loaded weapon, and who am I proving what to, you see? Exactly. So that they begin to wake up someplace along the way, but sometimes they're not going to wake up at all until they do great harm. Mm. But let's look at it at the other state. Once they wake up, in a way, they've kind of kind of climbed back out. The question is, is that why is it that they have to climb out? Why can't they go ahead and make the choice? Wait a minute. It doesn't matter how I've been going down this hill. I don't have to continue this hill at all, including crawling back up it. I can make a choice that I'm going to start changing my life right now and feeling the way that I want to feel rather than being in the habit of feeling all of this fear. Mm. That is freeing. That's when people wake up to that, it is an elation. This is the light that, that, that is turned on. And uh, Bhikkhu Buddhadasa puts it in the word of choice. Everybody's got a choice. Yeah. And when you recognize fully that, wait a minute, I've got a choice here. And that just the understanding that that choice is there is tremendously. There you go. Now I've got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. You ask me what bliss is, it's all over you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a standard human emotion. And you can get yourself into that kind of state anytime that you remember that it's okay for you to feel as good as you want to feel and you can give yourself these kind of thoughts mm-hmm. that this is marvelous this is great this is the best thing that a human being can do at the top of the bliss scale that humans are capable of let's get it on <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, you can say somebody's been an Arahad or they've been a mystic for years and years and they have a special kind of bliss. No, they don't. They just have the regular kind of human bliss. They've just been practicing longer than you have. Mm-hmm. So that's a good question to ask yourself. Instead of asking you the question which everybody gets stuck in of who am I, Start asking yourself the question, well, how good can I feel right now? How good can I feel right now? And just Pretty play good. with that. Hmm? Pretty good. Pretty good, right. Ain't no, ain't, ain't no dukkha in this third noble truth. <laughs> and so recognize it. When we do not have any suffering, understand that this state of dukkha naroda actually is real, it exists, people get into it often, but they don't get into it often enough because they spend too much of their time in dukkha. So then, um, in the suttas, they mention nibbana. So, I always thought that was what they call a cessation. Um, yes, it's actually it is. The, it is. Mm-hmm. It's okay. the sensations of conditions. That's why it's called the conditionless. What are we no longer being conditioned by? Feelings, thoughts, emotions, the heat. When you take the heat off, joy naturally arises. Mm. Okay. You cool off. You're nibbana. They used the word Nibbana before the Buddha grabbed hold of it and put it into service for two uses. One was when food is coming out of the fire, 
It's too hot to eat and needs to be in a bonnet to cool off. The other use of the word nibbana is in the sense of tamed animals, that you don't want to nibbana a dog too much. You want to leave just enough wildness in it so that you can still use it uh, naturally. But you don't want a dog that's too wild. Okay. So in that regard, we begin to nibbana our own uh, mental barking dog. Mm. which is the barking dog is that's afraid, it's fear. We don't want to squelch the fear completely, but we do want it to nibbana, to mm. cool off, to settle down, to stop having so many uh, false positives. So that's the way of using the word nibbana that is more uh, exact in the way that it's actually put to use when people are practicing Anapanasati correctly, that the practice of Anapanasati does lead into Nibbana. Mm, yep. And that uh, the door through that is uh, the combination of joy and uh, relaxation. But that relaxation cannot happen both without the joy and the satisfaction. If we've just been beaten in a fight, we may think that now that the fight is over, I can relax. But the guy who lost the fight's not relaxed. Mm-hmm. He, he, he wants to get back up and get back into it. And he can't. So that's not relaxed. But the guy who won the fight and he knows it's over, ah, glad that's over. All right. That whole mentality is how we can actually look look at how the mind operates moment by moment. Mm. That when we do see that hindrance and we throw it out, it's like having that joy, uh, that relaxation, and all of that uh, comes in into play at a at a uh, a smile. Uh, excuse me, a small level, but we're adding on. We're piling on here. We're building something up in a way, and that the we're the what we're building up, where the constituent components of it, is what we're tearing apart in order to get those um, raw materials to build. So we've been living, let us say, in a ramshackle house with holes in the floor and all kinds of things, and now what we're doing is we're making extensive repairs. Mm-hmm. Fixing the place up, putting it right. And so, as we do, we can feel the accomplishment with each task, each floorboard that's replaced. We can say, Yeah, got one floorboard more. Okay. And so, we begin to, to do it, to build it up that way, knowing that eventually uh, there, this pile on effect that we're talking about or adding one new floorboard at a time uh, idea um, is part of uh, the confidence building that every time that we do it, we can get more confidence at it, especially when it was almost like a hard uh, hard part thing to do like uh, for some reason at all we're in a store and in that store we have an argument with someone Then we walk out, we get into our car, and we drive away. But guess what? That argument is still there. The question is, can you throw that argument out? Mm. The answer is yes, you can. But you may have to throw it out four or five times. Mm. But every time you catch that argument that you had in that store with that guy a few minutes ago, out it goes, out it goes. out. And every time out it goes is what a relief it is. I'm glad that's over. Be on guard for it. Okay, right. And here's the clincher with that, and that is is that when we do rehearse those fights, that means that in some way or, or other, it's not over, and we actually do want to go back and continue arguing and fighting. Yep. Which is a hell state. We actually yep. want to be in hell. That's why we're doing that. Mm. Is and look, now we say, look at what we're doing here. <laughs> Wake up, 
because I can, in fact, feel the way that I want to feel. I do not have to feel the way that I have been feeling before. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is it. Every time we wake up and say, wait a minute, I don't have to have that argument. Wait a minute, I don't have to do this or that or, or anything. And you'd be surprised at how easy your life can get mm-hmm. when every idea about getting something done comes up and you say, well, wait a minute, we can put that off. I don't have to go to the bank this week. I can put that off next week. And then uh-huh. next week I'll have the thought, yeah, I, I don't have to go now. <laughs> we can go next week. <laughs> And so with that, I wind up wearing shoes about once a month or so. Uh-huh. Because there's no place to go. Because, I, you know, there really is no place to go. Now, that took a bit of planning. And I could even dare say wisdom to get it set up. So it really is that way. But you, too, can begin to plan your life in the way so that you don't have to do anything. Now, that's yeah. freedom. You can do that. You can find a way to do that. Been trying to. Well, stop trying and just get into that state at least every moment that you can. Mm. You don't have to go anyplace or get a different job or anything like that. Because most of the time, what I'm talking about is not a state like this building. It's a state of mind. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sucked you into that one. <laughs> yep. No, this is actually a state of mind, and it's your choice. Every time you think of it. Every time you think of it, you can put that big smile on and say, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can live the way I want to. That is when uh, right attitude is it is cooking that can do that I can do this I yes I can I can do this I can feel good I do not have to feel bad I can I can fix that when I see that stuff coming I look it off out it goes I can come right out of it mm. and you can come right out of it and then you can begin to experiment well now that I am in control of the feelings and I'm not feeling the bad feeling that I was feeling a minute ago because I caught it and I threw it out. Now I can choose the way to feel that I want to feel. I can take a deep breath or two or three and pump myself up and feel really energized and energetic and uh, uh, think of uh, a marvelous teacher that I've had or... Um, uh, think about George Garland. George Garland is a, uh, a, a how do you say it? In in um, the Tibetan system, they have tonkas. You know what a tonka is? A very complex drawing that they do. Sometimes they do sand. it as a mandala. They do it with sand, right? But many of them are also printed on, uh, uh, I guess fake parchment or whatever, and sold in the streets of uh, Nepal, um, Kathmandu. And so uh, the way that I would say that is my own mental uh, uh, tonka is George Garland. You know him? Look him up on YouTube because he's got a lot of really funny things to say. Okay. Okay. Will do. Yeah. Favorite comedian. To be able to have a comedian that uh, uh, that have jokes that really strike home. They ring so true. And that's what makes them funny. He's really good at doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is funny, but he's funny because he tells lies. But George Garland is funny because he's, he's telling the truth. <laughs> So, these are the kinds of things that we can spend our time on. We do not have to spend our time on watching Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. We can spend our time watching things that are uh, curious and interesting and uh, uh, basically enlightening. That many people have gotten quite a chuckle out of George Garland. 
He was a comedian for years. He's dead now. But uh, he started off as a journalist and, and changed into being a comedian. Mm-hmm. But I think that he... His basic position is, is that he never did become a comedian. He's always been a journalist. He just figured mm-hmm. out how to deliver his stories where people laugh. <laughs> nice. So, that was the original question that you asked that we've been dancing around, is why do those guys have bliss and us common people don't? Yeah. The answer is not in two ways. One is is that everyone is capable of having that same kind of bliss. They can have it and they set things up so that they can have it and then they do have it but it generally doesn't last because they set up an event to get it. Like the real estate agent feels really happy when she gets both the uh, buyer and the seller to sign the contract. And she is elated. Boy, she's on cloud nine. She calls all of her girlfriends. They have lunch together. But before the money for that sale gets in the bank, she's already lost that high. Mm. It's just chasing highs. Right, exactly. So people are chasing these highs. And some chase it by um, selling their daughter in marriage. I'm sorry, that was not the right word, was it? (laughs) (laughs) But that's the old way. I mean, that's really what it is. It's a business deal on some level. Yeah. Um, But a great deal of joy can be had in ceremonies and functions that reproduce, that people will come together once a year in celebration of things, and many people will go ecstatic, even in football games. I mean, how can people do that? I don't know. But they do find their joy. The question is, can you find yours? Mm. Can you do it in a wholesome way so that you're not harming other people by your joy? Mm. Exactly. Okay, so, and can you learn to manipulate it directly so that you can bring it on when you want to? You can continue it and sustain it. And then uh, know when's the right time to come out of that level of joy. And you may find there's no need (laughs) come out. Even if the police come, you can still be full of joy. There's no reason to get serious just because that's how they approach people. Mm. You say, hello, officer. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here to make this place safe. Now, they may have me already on the ground with their foot or their knee in my neck and my hands are band cut, but I can still be joyful. My choice, if I can remember, depends upon how deep the hindrances go and how well we practice so that it doesn't matter how bad things are. I'm going to remember that I'm in control of this situation, at least inside of my own mind. I do not have to feel the way they want me to feel, Mm. no matter who they are or what they're doing. It's remembering it. I can remember. That's the practice. And so, uh, by the way, that's how they normally determine a saint, is how... uh, uh, let us say, handsomely and nobly, he handles a very tough situation. Yeah. That's a way of, of looking at it. So uh, now, now the whole point then is, is that this thing that everybody is looking for and everyone wants, you can develop that for yourself. And uh, we do it through gladdening the mind, through joy, through becoming satisfied, and... Uh, it tends to grow. That pity, uh, actually it's an important point to understand that pity becomes one of the actual factors of enlightenment. A lot of people will say that pity melts away, but if it did, then the word in the, in the suttas would be sukha for that, that fourth one. But the seven factors of enlightenment is unremitting mindfulness, 
unremitting investigation. Unremitting, this time it's a right effort, becomes actually easy. So mm. it's unremitting energy now that we've got the energy for it. We're up for the game. And that leads then to unremitting pity. So if we've got the energy and we're up for the game, we also now have the attitude that I've got this. We're, yeah. we're, we're in charge here. And we have that kind of quality uh, that we develop as uh, pity. They call it rapture, but really it's confidence. Really, it's the knowledge of being a lion. You can do anything. You can and do it well, <laughs> even if it's time to die. We can do that well too. And so, no matter what happens, we can handle it. And so, this is when uh, the pity, that confidence, that that great joy that we have, that's got this base or this foundation of the piling on and piling on of more joy and more joy and more joy is, is that now it cannot be kicked over by a couple of cops. Mm. This is strong and solid joy and we can handle anything. But it takes a piling on, keep coming, keep coming back. And sometimes it will get, you'll get sick or Someone will die or something will happen. And then it's time to really redouble our efforts. Okay, now that joy is hard to put into it, but I'm still going to put the effort to make yeah. myself strong, to pick it up and, and pop it into place, to keep building that fortress of joy. And so this is uh, the distinction then is not that the um, era hot is more joyful or more blissful than anybody else. He just knows how to manage and control it. And mm. very few people do. And everybody hungers and thirsts for it. Mm -hmm. So do you have any questions about this? Let's see. Nope. That's been okay. uh, very good. All right. I will say this much, that much of what I am telling you now is out of this book, but it's been rearranged and done more naturally. But this is a book called Void Mind. And basically, when we're void of the self, that's a state of joy. So I've rearranged the words for it. But I just did a video with Agnes on this and so i recommend that you watch that video because we actually read out of this book for about five pages all right yeah okay and okay. we're covering it uh that way uh, and so you'll you'll begin to see the connection based upon what i've been telling you in this talk about how it fits in with what uh is discussed in that talk that i did with her who is it by uh, it's Agnes, and I think it's the last one. It's just uh, no. I meant the uh, the book. The book is by is it is a book called Void Mind. Yep. It is by Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. Mm -hmm. It was translated by um, Dhamma V two at Watsuan Mok. I don't know if you can see it because it's. Uh, but it was Dhamma Lectures um, presented on uh, 10th and 17th of July in 1982 at Watson And uh, I've got it because I can get it. <laughs> I don't Are you know how. To it? Uh, I don't know. Go looking for it. I mean, you, I you've got the, the, the images of it. Um, yeah. And um, all, all that you need, I could give you the number on the back of it, but I don't think that that would help. Uh, but it is published by uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa Archives in Bangkok. Okay. And so it's really cheap. But I imagine that you, if you put the name of it, Void Mind, and then put the word PDF, 
you should be able to get a PDF version of it up on the screen. Oh, great. Okay. If they're doing what I would think that they would do. So, anyway, um, the void, in this case, the void mind is exactly what Bhikkhu Buddhadasa in is referencing to as the satisfaction that the real estate agent was looking for. That she was able to go into void mind for a while, and that was really satisfying for her, but she wasn't able to stay in it. Mm. But that uh, we go into these void states a lot. And if people don't go into these void states of mind, then that means that they're burning their mind so much that they probably will give themselves an aneurysm, a heart attack, uh, work too hard, keel over dead. You know, that's the whole thing. We can stress ourselves out that much. But most people don't stress themselves that much. Mm. But we still stress ourselves way too much. Mm. Not at that 100% mark, but many of us are at 90 sometimes. Yeah. And so coming out of that stress, and so beginning to know those points of time when you're naturally satisfied, those points in time when you are naturally uh, relaxed, because they happen all the time. So not only are we going to be doing this through direct uh, uh, mental development that we would call, in this case, uh, the combination of samadhi and vipassana, there are also these states of mind that happen naturally. naturally and yeah. so you should be able to see those too, that you will naturally just feel really good from time to time. Mm. Yeah. That you will have what Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa calls a little nibbana, a little relaxation. Ah. Mm. Perhaps when you come home from work. And you're satisfied. You got through the traffic. At least you got home alive. It's one of that kind of feeling. Yep. Of success. Okay, so begin to notice those also. Those are very natural. And you have them from time to time. So if you know how to get into these states naturally, or if you can see that you do, then you can figure out kind of the circumstances around it. So that now you can incorporate that, too, in your actual effort-driven way of catching the mind out in the, in the pasture. Sometimes you can catch it. He's already here. Yeah. <laughs> so, be well, my friend. And you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.